Welcome back to the Talking Footy Podcast. Each Wednesday across the footy season, we're going to be talking with the biggest names in the game. I'm Luke Darcy, and this week we're talking to Wayne Carey. We're still, mate. Yep. The greatest player in the history of the game, greatest player that I've ever seen play. But when I catch up with you on a Monday night or bump into you at the football, I think of you more than anything, father of two, proud dad, very generous person to be around. Is that how you think of yourself, uh, or you don't think of yourself? Um, probably don't think of myself, Darcy. That's the, <laughs> that's the best way. Um, yeah, look, look, the best player is, is a subjective thing, and I, I, uh, I'm flattered that some people have me in the argument. I don't think of myself like that. I seriously don't, despite what uh, many of my mates would think. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I never thought that you can... Uh, compare one era to another or a centre-half forward against a non-baller, for instance, you know, and and let's be honest, the, the eras of when Lee Matthews, who I believe is the greatest, played um, is completely different to the era I played in and, and now to the era that we're, we're now uh, loving uh, loving watching. It's just yeah, too hard. Well, in the official Almanac, 150 years of football produced by the AFL, you were in 2008, selected as the greatest player of all time by a panel of, uh, of experts. I mean, that it's not uh, a statement that um, can wash over you easily. We introduce you like that all the time, but does, is that something you're proud of or is there an individual moment you're proud of more? Um, don't tell Lee that. <laughs> Lee, <laughs> Lee doesn't like that. I've only got four of those books at home <laughs> sitting on my coffee table. No, that's, uh, no, that's not true. Oh, look, it, it is, and I'm, I'd, I'd, be, uh, I'd be lying to you if I said it's not it's not flattering and it's you know like I said it it is good to be in the argument I, I just I, I think once you get to the you know the I guess the players that are always spoken about in that mm. in that ilk you know you, you ask one person and they'll have a different order to the to the next but just to be I guess spoken about with those other great players is is very flattering this man mountain is just gaining any stature every mark Wayne Carey the 10 scintillating, superb skipper's goals. Bang. And has done it. <laughs> what a mark. What a mark. What a player. Mark number eight to Wayne Carey. Oh, look at the bomb by Carey. It's a goal. Oh, it is. And goal. Getting back is Carey. I mentioned uh, Doug, a proud father of two, Ella and, and Charlotte. Uh, every time I, I hear you, you're talking about the girls, you're very hands-on. Are you enjoying yeah, being a dad? Absolutely. Um, and look, uh, way better being a dad second time round. It's a, a fairly big big gap. Ella's now 11 and Charlotte's two. Um, so a little bit more mature. Took me a little bit longer to get there, Darcy, yeah. than, than others. <laughs> But uh, absolutely loving it, and you know uh, Ella, Ella and Charlotte are, are really close. She loves having a, a, a big sister, and yeah. um, Sally's got a, a, another daughter as well, Zoe, who is uh, about eight months older than Charlotte, and they're they're best friends um, as well. In actual fact, we're having dinner tomorrow night um, all together as a you know as a I guess a. Type of family, yep, yep, um, and it's uh, yeah. Look, it's 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 gorgeous, and I I do I I love every bit of it. This is a great part of your story, Duck, and I I ask you these questions all the time because I know Sally, your ex-wife. I've met her a few times, and she's an amazing lady. And 
you know, for so much of your public life has been discussed before, and 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 you know, a lot of it not true, and and some of it is. But the fact that you've got great relationships with all the people in your life, I reckon, is one of the greatest things you've achieved, mate. Do you see it that way? Because you got you, you as you said, uh, you know, your ex-wife is great friends. She she married one of your friends. Uh, you know, her daughter's great friends with your daughter. It's an amazing story. It is. Uh, a lot of people say I've got the best separation uh, yeah. <laughs> out of anyone they know, and. Yeah, look, we've, Sally and I have known one another. She was 17 and I was 20 when we met. Uh, she's a Wagga Wagga girl. Um, and, you know, I, I've, we've, we've remained friends right, right throughout. In actual fact, um, you know, we often sort of say we probably should have just been really good friends, yeah. although we wouldn't have had our gorgeous uh, daughter, Ella, if, if that was the case. So, no, it, that, that, that's a really strong relationship. Um, Sally still does a, a lot for me, a lot more than an ex-wife should do for her, <laughs> her partner. I'm sure uh, her partner, Shivo, uh, um, probably gets annoyed with how much she still does for me. In what way? What is she? Oh, she just it wouldn't matter whether it was, you know, whether she thought Charlotte needed shoes or, you know, with uh, she's an accountant by trade, whether she thinks, you know, have you put your, you know, you put your tax return in on time, all of those, so there's still that... Care. I had an operation about a year and a half ago. I had a hernia operation, and um, I forgot that I was allergic to sort of really strong codeine. And you know, I ended up being in hospital for an extra couple of days because I got sick. And Sally rings me up. Why didn't you ring me and tell me you're having the operation? She said, <laughs> "I, you know, I'm, I, I knew you were allergic to codeine." <laughs> so uh, still very mothering and very caring, and it's uh, uh, it's great. She's a, she's a great, great woman. I read uh, your book a number of years ago, uh, Duck, and, mate, I, I wouldn't call myself an emotional person, but I, I found myself very emotional reading, reading your book uh, and reading about you as a kid. And, and, and um, you know, I, I just couldn't imagine myself having the upbringing that you had. I, I felt so lucky that I had, you know, my mum and dad with me the whole way. Is it emotional for you thinking about your upbringing or is that just, just what it was? Um, emotional. I, I probably definitely had emotional times thinking about it, you know, a long time ago. I'm not so emotional about it now. Uh, I guess you, you sort of learn to deal with it. But it, look, it was, it was a tough upbringing. I'm, I'm not going to lie about that. But it is, there are a lot of other people out there that have had a, a lot tougher. The one thing that we did have, and, and, you know, I'm thankful, and my dad wasn't the you know, the best dad in the world. But the one thing we always had was a roof over our head and, and food on the table. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of people out there that can't say that. So from that perspective, we were very lucky. Um, you know, the, th- the thing that I missed as a, as a you know, a, I guess a young man, uh, child, was, I guess, that connection that with my mum, who, I you know, we didn't see for, you know, a long time, seven seven or eight years before we... Um, saw mum um, from the age of sort of six to 13, sort of five to 13, which, uh, you know, which was tough. And then, uh, and then you know, you, you eventually then, you know, get reconnected with your mum and then I get asked to come to Melbourne and play footy. So that was, yeah. that was tough at that time as well because at 16 to move over to Melbourne, I just sort of met my mum again, just moved in with my mum uh, for about a year before I came. I was living with my brother for a couple um, before that and then um, and then all of a sudden I'm in Melbourne so sort of got separated again from my mum so it was 
Yeah, that was that was tough. I want to ask you about your brother, Dicky. I know he's a big influence in your life in a minute, and, and get onto the footy duck as well. But um, I know I, I read that, and you say a lot of people had it had it tougher, but you know some pretty full on story. I, I don't know many people that would turn out the person that you are, that I know and, and, and work with, who'd been through what you've been through. I think a lot of people would end up um, right off the rails. Yeah, look, I'll, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of um, all of my brothers and sisters, actually. Like, my, my eldest brother, Dick, and he's had, his, he's had his issues and he's made some mistakes and been in some trouble, but what he's been able to do and what he did for me, um, you know, when I left home at uh, 13... Um, and I moved in with Dick, and he was yeah. 22, and he'd already, you know, he had a, a young kid, and then um, next one came along. So he's bringing bringing up a young family, and then you know, a snotty nose 13 year old rolls up on his yeah. doorstep. Um, but what he's been able to do in his life with work and every job, he's always, he's always been a hard worker and always had great jobs, and you know, he's he's a very successful person and, and then, you know, I, I look at my elder sister and what she's been able to do in her career and yeah. highly successful. My, my other sister, who's also my elder sister, um, she's extremely successful in what she does and my younger brother can do just about anything. Yeah. And, and so, you know, considering um, they've all done extremely well in their lives and, you know, we've all, we've all made mistakes except for one of my... Um, Karen, she's the saint. <laughs> saint Karen. In actual, in actual fact, we think she might have been adopted. She's that. Uh, <laughs> she's that squeaky clean. She's that squeaky clean. Are you close um, with her? Yeah, I am. I am. Is it more really close, close than the others, or probably? I was probably close. I'm, I'm, look, I'm close with both of my sisters and and you know both my brothers, but probably closer to Karen than more close to Karen than Sharon because Sharon had left home. And she's a lot older, so she yeah. well, not a lot older, but she'd left home. And Karen and I and my younger brother Sam were with Dad for quite some time, just the three of us. The other two, the two eldest, had left. So you know, Karen was sort of my mum, yeah. and she's only two years older. And she, you know, she was the one that cooked us meals, got us ready for school, did all of that. So it's amazing, yeah, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty tough job. And like I said, the way she's uh, turned out, it's uh, quite remarkable. Uh, amazing stories, um, all and I had a couple of mates who um, you know, didn't have maybe great relationships with their dads growing up, and uh, sometimes really negative relationships with their dad. And they're some of the best dads I've ever seen. And I look at you the same way. Is there something in you that went? I probably didn't get it the way it should have been done, and and you want to make sure that you do it a different way? Oh, no doubt about that. I, you know, I, I remember having those thoughts. Um, you know, as a young kid, when I am. A, a dad, yeah. I'm going. I'm going to make sure that you know I do this and I yeah. do that, and you know I, I probably go over the top. I don't. I don't know how many times I tell them every five minutes that, that I love them, and and you know I'm 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 very affectionate, and I just want, I just want the best for them, and and, yeah. and let them know that they're loved all of the time, and um, yeah, there's there's no question that I've you know always felt that, and 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 you know both my eldest brother and. My youngest brother and Karen and Sharon were exactly the same. All of their children will say that they've been very well looked after and yeah. and, and and spoiled in some way. And yeah, yeah, it's a great story, mate. Thirteen years of age, you move in with your brother Dick. He, he was a, a good footballer, wasn't he? He was a tough, yeah. hard footballer. Did he really mould you as as a player? Yes, he did. I, I give him. I actually give him all the credit. Clearly, you know, you've got to have some sort of talent. Um, 
which you know I was, I was playing sort of good junior footy in, in Wagga Wagga and but then when I got to Adelaide he and, and moved in with Dick and he was pretty tough uh, Dick's got a little bit of uh, my dad in him he's a hard unit hard yeah you know and he was a very good footballer good centre half back played reserves didn't didn't end up playing an SANFL game but played reserves uh, did his knee at a time when you did if you did a knee you were sort of nearly gone yeah um, but yeah really you know real good solid solid footballer and has coached premierships and captain premierships and all that sort of stuff in other leagues but he he taught me he actually taught me just how to train you know at 13 every every day after school he'd make me go for a run yeah and then it became well he didn't have to make me go for a run I wanted to go for a run and and he was he was for a big guy he was fit and could run um so he would come with he would obviously run with me and then I, I remember the first day like it was yesterday the first time I beat him it was like in a run, you know, in a, run yeah. a seven kilometre run and it was like for me that was like if I could beat him yeah. um you know I could sort of beat anyone and taught me how to use my body um and that, and the the really big thing that he he did for me I think which um probably goes unnoticed is is when it run when in wet I, I love playing in the wet and there's not too many I guess centre half forwards like um, the rain. big guys that like the rain yeah. or, or like wet conditions and you know we we did a lot of work on you know he just would kick ball after ball after ball and and I mean you know treacherous conditions and and uh, and then funnily enough you know I remember the first time playing in, in you know real wet conditions in one of my first games up in Brisbane against the Bears back then and I remember, you know, taking 10 or 12 marks in the wet and, you know, having 20-plus possessions and people are going, hang on, you're not meant to yeah. play, you know, play that position and not meant to do that. And it was, I just, yeah, found it found it um, easy because of what, what he'd uh, trained into me. Two of your great strengths, you're an unbelievable aerobic athlete, you're an incredible player in the rain and, and you know, didn't have any weakness really in your game. Do you, do you think... That almost your upbringing created this perfect storm of a player that you were so resilient. You've been through all these challenges that no kid I've I've ever heard of went through. That when it came to a bit of adversity in the football field, that didn't worry you at all. Yeah, it's a it, well, it's something that I've thought about, and I, 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 there's clearly an element that I, I think has, has helped. I, yeah. I, you know, I, and and you, I'm sure you might think the same but I, I sort of look at uh, my footy career it's, it's a, there's, a, there's a lot of fakeness about it there's a lot of fake bravado and um, and I can answer that now but I guess because now you're sort of able to sit back and look at those parts of your life whereas I guess when you're in it yeah there was just a yeah there was a there was a real resilience there I certainly wanted to prove a lot of people wrong and I, and I wanted to be successful and then um, when I got a taste of that then I guess I then did really want to, um, you know, be the best best I could, and and the improvement came fairly quickly. And then you know I I just wanted to keep getting better and better. Do you remember at that young age, you're 13, you're moving your brother? Did did you see this as not your way out? But did you see yourself as an AFL player? Did Dick talk to you and say, mate, you're good enough, you do this, and and this this is going to be your career? At thirteen, I at thirteen, and then when I got to North Adelaide, played in the Sandboy Cup, and played in the under seventeens, played in a premiership. It was then that I thought I, I think I could play SANFL, and the yeah. SANFL then was, as you know, it was you know a big competition, and yeah. the Crows weren't in the comp then, and um, it was still the VFL. 
VFL and SANFL and Waffle were the three strongest leagues. And I, I definitely thought I could play SANFL. Um, but it probably wasn't until I came to Melbourne um, that I that I then thought, OK, well, now I want to play VFL, which then quickly turned into the AFL. But I never thought, as confident as some people think I was in my ability, the one thing about a lot of athletes is there's a lot of self-doubt, and I think we all yeah. have it. Um, and I and I most certainly had it. But, you know, there was... So there, so there was self-doubt. Did I ever think I would make it? I don't think I ever thought I'd make it until I actually made it. Yeah. There wasn't that sort of confidence... I know Dennis Pagan tells a story about um, uh, me walking into the under-19 saying I won't be here long because I'll be playing uh, senior footy. But True story. I think he might have put a bit of mayonnaise on uh, <laughs> that story. Um, but, you know, once once I got to um, senior level and, you know, you play a couple of good games, you know, you start you start to believe. And, and there really was a game that I sort of look at and I'd say, well, when I... After that game, I said I can really play at the top level, and and then that's when I thought I could make a career of of, of football. Which was the game? Oh, well, it was a state of origin game for South Australia. I remember it well. Yeah, so nineteen ninety two. So I'd already how many games of VFL, VFL had you played at that stage? I reckon it wasn't a lot because I played a full year in nineteen ninety. I did my shoulder in ninety one, so it would have been twenty. Yeah maybe 20, 25, I would say, roughly. Um, but it was that game that I, you know, you've got Paul Ruse and, you know, Silvani and, and Gary Lyon all in the back line for, for Victoria. And, you know, I got, I got a few kicks that night. And I remember after I thought, OK, now you can play at this, you know, you can really play at this level. If you can get a kick in that, then you should go back to North and, 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 and dominate. Adam Saliba goes to ground, tries to get in a hamper. Wanganeen weaves through the pack. Wayne Carey fires in the goal. It's a goal! Wayne Carey's kicked a great goal. South Australia hit the puck. Got a few more than a few kicks that night, Doug. I remember it well. It was, who is this? Who is this bloke? He's playing outrageously. I think the forward line... Probably had Sticks Kernahan yeah, in it. Yeah. Was, was yeah, Modra yeah. playing at that game uh, as well? No, Modra wasn't playing in that game. But um, yeah, yeah, it was the best of the best. It yep. was one of the best Victorian sides we'd ever seen with all-time uh, great defenders. And then this young kid that we didn't know a lot about came onto the scene and, and just tore it to shreds. It, uh, as you said, it must have catapulted you forward from that moment. Oh, yeah, it did. And you know, my second part of '92, um, you know, I, won- I ended up winning the best and fairest for North that year and. Um, and yeah, I, and that's like I said, it was that at that time, and that's when I guess football started to go from you know semi-professional to professional, and and that's when I knew that you know I could make a career of it. And, and those conversations you mentioned with my brother Dick, um, you know, went from oh you know good you're getting a game to you know you're winning a best and fairest. And I remember Dick saying to me, I, I reckon you could be the best centre half forward ever, ever to play the game. Yeah. And I and I sort of looked at him and he said, "No, I I really do." He said, "If you you know keep working hard and do everything else," he said, "I think you, you can be the best." And um, you know, I guess off the back of that, that's I you know just kept wanting to get better and better. I think he was right. Um, did you speak to him right throughout your career? Was he a sounding board for you? you know, yeah, even 150 games oh, in. Yeah, yeah, we speak. We we uh, we pretty much speak every day. Yeah, Still do. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was yeah, absolutely. And if you know, 
he would certainly tell me also, Darcy, if I if I didn't play well or I didn't do uh, um, what he expected. Two premierships, 727 goals, captain of the North Melbourne team of the century. You, you did everything that you could do in the game. Best and fairest, seven-time All-Australian. Um, it was an interesting era back then, though, too, wasn't it? Uh, you know, playing through that era, you played hard and, and partied hard, too. And the North boys at that time were the best at everything. They had the best Sunday sessions. They won every every week. Do you, can you give us a, an, an idea of what that was like and, and what your sort of post-game you know, routine was like? Yeah, not... Not something. I, I look back with a little bit of embarrassment because people often say, you know, boy, that's, uh, you know, one, one, you can't do that today. Um, and two, if you didn't do that, could have you been better? I sort of look at it the other way. I, I think it sort of really takes your mind off footy and, yeah. and, and, you know, you're able to have that time where you relax. So, you know, we, we did play a lot of Friday night games. So, therefore, we had, you know, Friday night, um, you know, you'd, you'd go and have a couple of beers, maybe a few more than a couple, um, after the game. Recovery Saturday, um, and by lunchtime Saturday afternoon, would be all together as a team. And that's why we were, yeah. we were so... That's why I think part of why we were such a good team, because we were so close off it, you know, made us so so close on it, and we'd do anything for for each other. And um, it was... Uh, yeah, it was... So so Saturday, you know, a few more beers with the, with the mates, and, and if... We didn't have a Friday night game the week after. We'd generally back up again on Sunday. Um, so it was not a bad stint. <laughs> and you were the Pied Piper. I remember through that era, and, and, and you dragged everyone around with you. And, and it was always the North boys are the tightest. The North boys are the ones that, that stick together. And that culture w- was, was created. And, and, and you had big days, the big, the big sessions, as you said, every, every weekend. And, and you backed up. And it almost created an aura as you said, that, that made you guys uh, successful. But I suppose I was going to ask you that question. I did, I did write an article once about you know, using 2015 logic back then. Imagine if you did recover and imagine if you didn't you know, perhaps mm. go as hard what you could have been. Do you, do, you, do you look at that? Because I see how good that side was. And I know this from someone who didn't win a premiership and a lot of us didn't. You know, I almost feel like there was more premierships in North Melbourne, how good yeah. you were and how good your team was. Do you look at it like that? Oh yeah, yeah. We're, look, we were the we were the we were the best team from '96 through to '99. So we won two flags. I think we should have definitely won three. Yeah, you know, and we won one when we probably weren't the best team in '99. So, you know, there's a lot of luck involved in winning premierships. A lot of luck with you know injury and everything else, and it, it all has to come together at the the right time of the year. But you know, talking about that off-field stuff. That's why Dennis Pagan. One of the one of the things that Dennis was very good at was um, understanding the psyche behind everyone. And he he was he was a it was like a dad to me. And he was sort of like dad in a way where he ruled with an iron fist. So there was elements of my dad in him. He wouldn't like me. To, yeah. He wouldn't like me to say that. Um, but the good parts, like the parts that okay, hard but but fair, and told you how yeah. it was. And he embarrassed me one day when he called all of the. You know, most of the team leaders in to the room and discussed our off-field antics in terms of having a beer after the game and thought we were going a bit too far. Never, never, ever have I had a drink after Sunday. I've never had a drink, not even a sip of wine through the through the week. Yeah. Always, you know, Cut after a game on the weekend. Yeah. But he called us all in and he basically went through everyone in that room in his office and told them that they were in bad form, they couldn't play if they had a beer, you know... 
basically saying you get off it or you or you're, or you're dropped and you know you're just not performing. And he said, but there is one bloke in here that can do both. So he basically said, you know what, you can keep doing it in front of my peers and my mates. Because he knew what I'd do. He knew that that would then embarrass me and then I would most certainly pull my head in and say, OK, well, they, they can't do it, yeah. so I'd pull up and then invariably everyone pulls up. So he gets what he wants. Um, so very, very clever in right. how he did it. Rather than say, because if, if he'd said to all of us, me include, you know yeah. what, you've got to pull up, sometimes when you say that to young men, and we were, we were still really young, yeah. still, you know, t- 21 you know, so still very young men, and um, if you say don't do something, generally, especially to a group, we're probably going to say, oh, you know, right, Dennis, and we still sort of get together and all do it. But the fact that he elevated me, he knew he knew what reaction I, I would I would uh, give him. Monday night, it's the best in the business with everything you need to know about footy. Join Luke Darcy, Wayne Carey, Tim Watson and Sam McClure for Talking Footy. The match review panel, please, please get it right. It is not difficult. Well, I reckon we've found a new Superman in the competition, Duck, and he's only played two games. Rodney Eade has to desperately find a way to build a relationship with his players. Umpires are human and they want to go... I want to be Mr. Popular. <laughs> Monday nights at 7.30 on 7 Mates. We're talking footy. There's a lot of legendary stories about you and, and uh, I'm not going to most, run all most, those. Most are Well, true. I'm going to ask you... That I hear one uh, and tell me if this is incorrect because, uh, you know, in that era when you guys were so dominant, there was always a talk that the Dark can seriously handle themselves, himself. Um, you were down in a pub in Tassie once. The local boys decided to roll in. Wayne Carey's in the pub. And uh, they threw their biggest and heaviest at you. And, and um, he took him outside and, and gave him a touch-up. Went back in and they went around the corner, tried to find the next toughest bloke. And you went out and gave him a touch-up too. Is that uh, any truth no, in that one? No. And, and look, geez, I'm, uh, that's one of the things, I guess, that I'm, I'm not proud of. That as well. I mean, you, but sticking up for your mates, that's, you know, and we're, we're in an era of exactly that. Yeah. You know, when, you, when you're out and, you know, mates get in trouble, you know, sticking up, um, sticking up for them. And I guess it was, you know, it's the Australian way. Yeah. Um, now... You know, if I'm giving advice to any young man now, the, the tough thing to do is, you know, it doesn't matter how much someone yeah. picks on you. Certainly you've got to defend yourself, but if someone picks, it's sort of, it's tougher to walk away and just say, you know, turn the other cheek, so to speak. But, oh, look, there were times that... that any that, truth in that? Or no, not? no, no, I, I can't remember. I can't remember <laughs> Your that. Your memory's gone on that I one, hasn't I can't remember that story. I was told that from a very good source. Uh, but I, you know, I, I was, I think every... Every bit of, um, in terms of, you know, people, when, I guess being a country boy, it's sort of a part of growing up yeah. being a country boy, you know. You, you get in a fight every you now. You go to the pub and, you you know, you get in a fight and, you know. Did you do that as a kid? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, as 16, 17 and, and 18, even when I got to North, you'd go back to Wagga and it was almost, you know, you'd walk, walk into a pub in Wagga and there was a fight, you know. Every sort of fifteen minutes, you know, two yeah. two guys just having a punch and then shaking hands afterwards and, and walking away—that type of thing—and you know, you don't clearly uh, for the for the all the right reasons that sort of stuff doesn't happen anymore. But it but it did back then. And yeah. Invariably, most of those scuffles that I got in were were not had had nothing to do with me. It was always me sticking up for someone that I was with. So 
Um, it's one of the things, I guess, one of the traits that my dad passed on and, um, you know, sticking up for your mates and not, I guess, standing up for yourself as well, um, which I did. And, and in some ways, that's probably, that would have been one of those things that you're talking about that probably helped me with my footy. Well, and I'm asking that question, not to glorify it, but just to, to say that was part of the aura, is that, you know, you dominate on the field and if it, if it came to it, um, you could handle yourself better than anyone else off the field. That, that was the aura yeah. and that is the story a lot of your teammates tell um, and it, it probably did create more mystique. About I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said mystique because I, I, I think it, it's a bit like football when you, when you retire... Um, you get better and better, so I'm happy to run with that. But I, you know, I, I look, I couldn't, I can look after myself. Um, but I think that story, those stories, and that mystique were way bigger than what it was. And to be honest, I probably, you know, I, I didn't mind it. I, you know, the, to have that, have a bit of a blue if it happened. But, yeah, to have that, but have that mystique, uh, around, mystique it. around it. It was certainly handy when in certain situations, because in certain situations, us. You didn't have to do anything. You just had to be there, and you could, you know, you could sort of put a fire out by just being in the in the area, sticking up for a mate. And they go, oh, you know, okay, no, we'll, we'll let that go. And it was like, thank God, because I I, I would have never liked to have uh, been found out that I might have been a bit of a fraud. Well, Bob Murphy tells a story, uh, Duck, uh, along those lines uh, in on a holiday in Bali, and yep. he was sitting by the pool, and there was a group of rugby league players who'd had, uh, had a few too many and they were becoming a bit aggressive towards his wife, Justine, and he's sitting there and he operates at the other end of the pool from you, Duck, in terms of intimidation and, uh, and handling himself. And he was looking around going, I'm in a lot of trouble here because um, I'm going to have to stand up and there's 15 rugby league blokes. And he said, you wouldn't believe who happened to just be on the other side of the pool and walk over and, and it was you. And he said, the problem went away very quickly. Yeah, look, that that is one that is completely true, um, and I yeah, it was one of those situations. I I didn't really know Bob Murphy. Obviously, I knew who he was, but I didn't know him as a person. And I, I just sat there from afar, and I was just there with a friend, and I just I watched it unfold in front of me, and then I could see how uncomfortable his wife was, and and then in turn, and and the the rugby, they're big boys, they're big boys. By the way, I didn't I didn't go in there with any great confidence, but I, <laughs> but I felt compelled to. To at least say something, and I think the the guys there might they wouldn't have known who Bob was. They knew, who, yeah. Know, they they knew me, and I yeah. It was a it was a case of just saying, "Hey boys, calm down and show some respect." And uh, thankfully, um, they did it without uh, being violent because uh, might have Bob and I might have both been in some trouble. <laughs> you might have saved the day again uh, there, mate. For me, one of the great things about. Uh, team sport is is the great friendships. Uh, who are, who are your close mates now? Who do you still catch up with from that era? Yeah, look, I'm look. I, I always felt like um, I was the I was the guy that got along with everyone, tried to get along with everyone, and I guess as captain, you that's a part of your job. You know, there, there were guys, and you know this yourself. You everyone thinks that just because you're at a footy club playing footy together, that everyone gets along. There, were, you know, sometimes that was hard work, but. And, and, I, and I think when you're in that bubble as well, you, I'm sure you would have said this at the time, you know, you're playing in premierships and finals and you go, we're going to be best mates forever. We're going to ring one another every day. And we're, you know, we're going to, we'll all move to the country together. We'll, get, we'll live in one suburb. It's, it's those types of conversations. And, and then, as you know, you, you know, you retire from footy and, you know, you, you drift off and generally you're, 
you you know you you make a whole new group of friends outside of that, and you know your your, your partner and their friends and. Um, so I, look, I, I talked to you know all of the guys obviously that I played with. I ran into Peter Bell yesterday and caught up with him in Perth a couple of weeks ago. But probably closest to you know Corey McKernan and Rocky and Craig Scholl and still close with Brad Scholl and you know I speak to Croc and you know there's the, the thing about being good friends with um, with anyone is you cannot see them for a while and you walk straight in and you, you you go straight back to when you were you know talking every day that's that's a good friend and i think you know i think that's generally what you get from playing with a, with guys a lot and I, I get that feeling just like i did yesterday when i ran into belly you know it's just like oh you know and you you sort of kick it off straight away again. Nothing's changed. So I'm going to fire some quick ones at your duck um, and uh, and quick answers. Best, who's the best player at North Melbourne you played with? Wayne Schwoss. The best player you played against? Robert Harvey, Jason Dunstall, Tony Lockett, Silvani Jakovic. I mean, what a great era. <laughs> what a <laughs> great era. That was more than one. Best advice uh, you have ever been given? Uh, best of advice I've ever been given... Um, yeah, good, good question, Darcy. I've, I've been given that you, you know, there's been the odd altercation. I've been given some great advice. Probably uh, the best advice I've been given is take it, <laughs> <laughs> take it. Don't, uh, don't think that you know it all. Wouldn't, wouldn't you like to go back, uh, go back uh, twenty years and know what you know now? But I, I probably didn't always take people's advice. At the time. At the time. Yeah. Um, Favourite Dennis Pagan saying? Um, don't weed down my back and tell me it's raining, son. <laughs> He's got a few. <laughs> the great Dennis. Best story you've read about yourself that isn't true? Oh, where do we start? <laughs> how long? How long's this podcast? There's been a few. Yeah, it's been uh, there's been plenty. Geez, I've I've you know there's been some pretty pretty big journalists in this town that have gone with some stories. I've heard stories like. Um, you know, I've, I've got in a got in a uh, fight and I've pulled a gun off a police officer and you know, <laughs> like out of his holster and uh, like all sorts of crazy, crazy stuff. And you know, I've been seen. I've been seen in states. You know, during the week in you know in other states, I've been seen at movie. I've been seen everywhere. <laughs> I must I must have a lot of lookalikes. Um, you know, recently you know I get linked. Linked to Sophie Mung recently, get, uh, Duck. Can, can we knock that one on the head? We can. We can most certainly knock that one on the head. That is just absolute rhubarb. But you know, there, there's those type of things for whatever reason. Um, people, I don't, I don't know why they continue to think that my life's in, that interesting. It's not that interesting anymore. Might have been. You know, a little while ago, but it's it's not anymore. Certainly interesting at various stages, uh, Duck. Yeah. I mean, to be to be fair, last time you cried. Oh, uh, I cried! I cried when I watched Eddie the Eagle. Um, <laughs> true story, and that's a just that's a great that's, it's a, that's good a great movie and very emotional. You know, watching that and that they, they were good. They were happy tears because obviously, you know, I just. Yeah, no, I'm a bit of a crier, Das. You I've, are a big sook, aren't you, mate? A, for, a, for the toughest, yeah. hardest, uh, best player of all time, you you cried watching The Voice a couple of years ago when yeah, the young yeah. boy Harrison Craig won it. Uh, I was, you're I'll, very emotional, aren't you? People, people wouldn't know that, when, like when I was a kid, I was a really, really shy kid and Dad would only have to look at me and I'd like start crying, 
you know, I was a I was a real little sook and a real shy little kid and people sort of saw you on the footy field and thought there's no way that you could be like that. And I think that that is still that is still in me. There is a there is a shyness and there is certainly a big sook. Um, and I do get emotional. I love you know, I I love it when, you know, someone does something that um, you know, that, that they they love doing and, you know, they achieve something or you know, whether it, I, I, Prefer to I'd prefer to them to be happy tears and sad tears, obviously. But I am a I am a big big sook. What about the future, Duck? In twenty years, even forty years, what what do you see yourself doing? How how do you see your life unfolding from here? Yeah, good question. I'm I'm loving what I'm doing now. Um, you know, I've got other interests and other sort of businesses, and I love I love property. Um, so I've got a little bit of, and I'm trying to trying to expand that and. Um, I've got some friends that are that are looking at doing a few exciting things in the future, which I'd love to get involved in, and in the property and that, world, and that, or... and that involves yeah some property. So you know, I, 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 that's probably my passion outside of you know um, out of football. But I just I like you said before, I just want to be a really really good dad, you know, to my two girls, and I want to be one of those dads that, and people say good luck that my daughters can come to me about anything. Now, <laughs> Ella's eleven, um, so I, I, you know, I just, I just hope that they, you know, trust me enough, and and you know, um, that they can seriously doesn't matter what's going on in their life that they can come to me about and and ask me and and ask for my help about anything. So that's the sort of dad I want to be. You're going to be a brave 16-year-old who knocks on your door, Duck, to take Ella out uh, <laughs> for the first time. They're going to be a very nervous teenager. How are you going to cope with that? Yeah, I'd, I'm not thinking about it at this point in time. I'll worry about that when I when I get to it. But it's it's you know she's 11 now, and it's I guess it's uh, she's getting there quickly. Yeah. She's getting there quickly. So I I uh, no, you've got to trust you've got to trust their judgment. And I guess you know we uh, you know I geez I wouldn't I wouldn't have uh, wanted to. Imagine the poor dads uh, <laughs> when, I, when I've rolled up on their doorstep. So I, I've got to also remember that and maybe, uh, maybe give the first uh, young man a, a chance. <laughs> Can you picture yourself in 30 years' time just rolling up the MCG, sitting in the stands and watching North Melbourne play? Never thought, never thought that I'd be a... Uh, I'm not. I'm not a barracker. I don't barrack for North Melbourne. They're my. They're my team. I barrack for South Melbourne when I was a kid, and that's when you do barrack when you're a kid. Yep. Um, and so South Melbourne, and then I obviously soft spot for Adelaide. Full stop. And I played for the Crows in the end. So they're my three. They're my three teams that I still enjoy watching. I don't lose any sleep whether if they lose. And uh, you know, I'm not overly happy when they when they win. I, I, I like it when they. When they're doing well, and certain individuals are doing well, I keep an eye on. But um, in 30 years sitting at the MCG, probably. And I never thought that I would say that. Yeah. You know, I, I I love the game right now. I, I really do. I love, and I really love um, the fact that I have the opportunity as a job to come in and talk about it and analyse it. I'm, I'm I'm really enjoying that. Final word: If you could change one thing about football, duck, what would it be? I think we can. I think we could take away. It's just so hard on the umpires, and I've, I've probably um, over the years given them more of a hard time than anyone. I, I think we could take some of that grey away with with the rules. Stop changing the rules for starters. I think our game's in a really good spot, 
but uh, let's take some of the grey away and make a few of the rules more black and white. And I think if we do that, it's, it'll be easier for them and it'll be easier f for us as, as football lovers to watch. Well, Doug, for me, you are the greatest. You always will be the greatest. But I hope people listening to this get a sense of the great person you are as well, mate. It's been great to have a chat. Thanks, Tars. We're talking footy.